Hey, you guys, we're in the last message of the series of Rhythm of Prayer. Uh, after this series, we're going to do about a month and a half of a, a Pastor's Chronicles, which is a pastor's uh, exchange where most of the pastors, you'll be seeing uh, different pastors coming through for the summer. It just allows for a lot of the, uh, the rotation of our churches to be able to catch up on some of the work and be able to take care of the things that we need to take care of for the summer uh, programs are uh, coming up. So be excited for that. We have, you know, Pastor, you know, the, the usual, Pastor Tim, Pastor David, uh, Pastor Sokwa coming out, and then we'll have uh, KJ and Paul uh, speak for us as well uh, during that season. I'll be here uh, in and out. So, uh, yes. All right. Okay. In light of Father's Day, I, I, I broke last week's message in two. So this is going to be the, the second half of last week's message. Um, specifically in the prayer to our Father, our Father, our Father in heaven. And so I hope that today's word will give you a clear understanding of what it means to call God Father and how precious, how beautiful, how amazing it is to be counted as his son or his daughter. All right. Uh, by way of introduction, let me, let me give you a, a quick story uh, that I saw online the other day. I really like it, so I'm going to share it with you guys. A barber was... Uh, giving a haircut to a, a Christian. And as he was cutting the guy's hair, the barber was like, I don't know why you're a believer. I don't know why you're a Christian. God doesn't exist. All right? Uh, the guy just sat there. He didn't say anything. He just wanted to listen to the barber. Uh, maybe he was afraid that the barber might mess up his hair if he said some uh, choice words. But he let the barber keep going. God doesn't exist. He's not around. Right? He's, he's, he's not real because just look outside. Look at the world around you. Look at broken people. Look at these broken lives. Look at the anxiety, the stress, the pain that's all around us. If God existed, this wouldn't be here. After the, the haircut, the Christian paid, says thank you, and he went outside uh, the barbershop. And lo and behold, there was a homeless guy sitting there. You know, it was all long hair, beard untrimmed. The Christian came back in. He said, barbers don't exist. And, the guy, and the, his haircut was like, what? I just cut your hair. Nope, they don't exist. They're not here. They're not real. And the barber was like, Are you, I think you've gone insane. Like, if barbers existed, this man would have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. But because he's out here and he's, his hair is long, matted up, not trimmed, barbers don't exist. Barbara looked at him and said, it's because the man never came to see me. And the Christian said in the same way, it's because we don't come to see the Father. That's why these things are happening in the world around us. All right. My prayer for you guys today is that you would come to the Father. That you will come to the Father who is unlike the Father that you may think you know. I don't know the kind of God you think you, we worship here at this church. But I want to I share with you the father of this Bible, the God of this Bible, whom we have the privilege through Jesus Christ to call Father, which is a unique and very beautiful privilege, by the way. Last week I said, you know, to approach the Father, why is there brokenness in our lives? Why are there higher levels of stress, anxiety? Why is there so much distress out in this world? And I think a big part of it is that we're not coming to the Father to the one who actually comes to heal. You know, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, you know what he did? He did a lot of healing. Do you know why he did that? It wasn't just because he just wanted to pop out some miracles and 
Can I show his power? He did that to show everyone this is how the world was meant to be. You're not meant to be in pain. We weren't built to have this situation. You weren't meant to die. I will give you a taste of what was going to come. That's why Jesus came. That's why he did those miracles. And so when we receive the Father, when we recognize how broken we are, and we actually come now to God, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 15, it says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, when we come to God, you're no longer living in the fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. How's my life going to turn out? What's going to be my future look? What's my future going to look like? Am I ever going to get out of this situation? Is this pain ever going to go away? You're constantly in this fear. But by him, we receive the spirit that no longer a spirit of fear, but a spirit that tells us what? A spirit that tells us that, uh, that we are sons, and by him we cry out, Abba. You know what that means? How is your relationship to God? Because if you want to see God working in your life, if you want to see the reality of God, one of the things that begins that must happen is that your prayer can't be mechanical anymore. It can't be a mechanical prayer like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It can't just be routine words that you're throwing out. A prayer of a son and daughter of God is a prayer that is, that is born from a new language that they receive when they get the power of the Holy Spirit. A change, a transformation. They begin to start having this primal way of saying, Abba which is scripture saying, you know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a toddler running up to their father, hands open. And, and it's, it's a language of recognition, a language of longing and saying, I want my dad. I just want my dad. Abba. It's not a mechanical thing. It's not manipulation. The prayer is from a heart that longs for their father. Do you have that when you speak? To your God, because I promise you, this is my prayer for you. If you understand this, if you understand who it is you're speaking to, and you understand what He's done in you, your life will transform forever. Because your prayers, your prayers now, look, as, as you come before God, your prayers, in the midst of all your distress, your prayers aren't going to destroy you. Your problems aren't going to break you. Your, 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 your anxiety aren't going to debilitate you. All those things now, when you come before Abba and you lay it down before him, do you know what the Bible tells us in Romans 8.28? It says he works out all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his good purpose. Remember I gave the analogy last week about a baby being born in the delivery room? Baby comes out. And it cries, his first cry. By, by him, we cry. Everyone cries. Everyone has pain. When we begin to cry, just like a baby cries, what is it experiencing? Light for the first time. It's a new environment. Everything is uh, scary. Everything is unusual. Everything is weird. You have all these people running around, knives coming at them, guts and blood everywhere. And you're looking at the situation from a child's perspective. Like, yeah, this is scary. This is painful. This is why I'm crying. But yet, if you understand, Everyone in that operation room, everyone in that delivery room is doing what? Working all things out for the good of that child. Isn't he? Right? Aren't they? 
Everything is for that child. In the same way, when we come to the Father, Abba, with our pain, now that we know him, in our pain, in our distress, in our worries, we come and we recognize this. He will take those things and he will fold them and shape them and mold them and bring them out for the good. He didn't bring the pain, but he will use that to work it out for the good. Your prayers begin to refine you. It begins to solidify you. It begins to deepen you. It begins to make you more real, more solid. Do you have that when you pray to the Father? When you come to the Father, do you have the assurance that as a young toddler comes to the Father, knowing that in Father's hand I am protected, in Father's hand I, have, I, I, I am covered, in Father's hand I am His? Do you have that assurance? Because oftentimes we come to God very mechanical and we leave God very still stressed. Is it in our prayers? We come to God in a very mechanical way and after we leave our prayer, we just feel like nothing really happened. You know why? Because you really didn't leave it all before God. And your prayer wasn't to the Father. You, had, you were saying the words, but your, your mind, your heart wasn't to him. Because I know this from, I mean, I know this from a, from a, from a dad's perspective, right? It's that when the kids get hurt and they run to dad, dad does his thing, comforts him, and by the time they leave dad's hand, they're laughing again. They don't leave dad's hands like, oh, I'm still messed up, right? Dad didn't do anything. He just looked at me and laughed, and then they walked away. That's not how it is. In the same way, if you're going to approach the living father, wouldn't it not be the same? Our father who loves us? Who have you been approaching lately, church? Prayers to the father is meant to refine you and strengthen you. You can face the darkness. The coldness. But even more than that, the prayer here, by, by him, we've been given the spirit of sonship. Jesus told us to pray to our father. It was almost unheard of in the religious time for anyone to pray to the father. Because to pray to the father assumes that you are an heir to the throne. It's to assume that you are somehow worthy of it. And somehow that you are deserving of it. Somehow that you are good enough for it. And Jesus Christ comes and he says, I want you to pray to our Father. This is how you to pray. Our Father. Because he is saying, in me, I will make you an heir as well. You may not feel like you deserve it. You may not feel like you're there, but you've been given the position of sonship, which is a position of heir. So it's not just about the word son here, ladies. Right? The word sonship just means that you are a position of heir. Okay? You can say daughtership if you want to. Right? That makes you feel better. But the idea of sonship, right? You've been given the position of sonship because you are now an heir. You've been given this before God. You are an heir to everything that, that comes from God. Okay? And this position in Christ is so astounding. Do you know why it's so astounding? Because most of the world, they don't get it. They don't see God this way. God is a powerful, sovereign God. We are just minuscule people. And the best that we can do is appease this God, but not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible tells you, that you are accepted. Because why? Because you are a son. You are a daughter. He is a father. 
đấy people will say so even if you do bad things he's gonna accept you even even if you mess up he's gonna love you the answer is yes that's exactly it if you were an employee and you messed up I get it you would be fired you'd be sacked right away right but if you're a son and if you're a daughter and you messed up there's no putting you out there's no firing you there's no sacking you you're still the father's son you're still the father's daughter there's more there's if anything there's more the father saying I need to render now into this person's life discipline and guide them directly guide them better So when there is a brokenness that happens, this is how you know you have a relationship to Abba and not a mechanical connection to a far-off deity of your own making. Is that when you know there's a brokenness or there's, a, there's something you've done before the Father, you know that he's not going to push you away and isolate you, that you're just one sin away from him, leaving you forever. You know that you are still his son, you are still his daughter, no matter what. And you recognize his discipline in your life. You recognize him calling you to repent. You recognize there's a longing to say, Abba, I want to do right. I want to be right with you. I want to get back on the path straight and narrow. I want to serve you. I want to love you. Lord, I want to renew our fellowship and continue our fellowship. Right? And when you know your position, church, when you know your position, your prayer will begin to refine you. This rhythm of prayer is not just for you to spew out stuff. This rhythm of prayer to the Father is going to transform you. It's meant to transform you forever. It's meant to refine you. Hurt will only strengthen you. Your response to life's struggle will not be to run, to hide, to neglect, to disappear, to forget everything. You see, most of the time, a non-believer, and sometimes us too, and, and it reveals so much about our hearts. Our response to the struggles and the pains and the issues that come in our life, our response is like this. I don't want to go to church anymore. I'm not feeling it today. Right? I want to listen. I want to perform my religious duties. I want to sit in the pews. My pain, my struggle at this moment is too much to bear right now, so I don't want to do the church thing. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to talk to God. I don't want to listen to another sermon. Do you know why you pray that way? Do you know why you even think that way? Because you are not approaching the Father. And you do not know your position. And you have no idea your worth before God. You, you, you proclaim that he is Father, but you have no idea what that means. Because a son and daughter of God who knows their position, who understands Where they're at, they will say this, I know who my father is in the midst of their pain and struggle. I know who my father is. I am his child. And because of Jesus Christ, I am an heir. What can this world do to me? What can come my way that will break me? What is the worst thing that can happen to me? You take my life and I am reborn anew. What is the worst that can come? What, is, what can you possibly do that you have not done to my Savior already? There is a confidence. There is a realness. There is a strength to a son and daughter of God. 
to a son and daughter who calls God Father. There is an understanding, there's a mindset. There's a transformation of heart. Otherwise, your response is always, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. How is that any better than any person who does not know God the Father? Because anyone who does not know God the Father will do what? Pain comes, I'm going to run. Pain comes, I'm going to isolate. Pain comes, I'm going to make every excuse not to be around anything for my good. Because it's all about me right now. But for a son, but for a daughter who knows their worth, who have been given the spirit of sonship, the spirit of an heir, in the midst of life's greatest adversity, you face it. Does it hurt? Yes, it does. Is it painful? You betcha. Will you experience it like everyone else? You know you will. But you face it with a confidence, a poise, and a peace that says, what can you do to me? I am my father's son. I am my father's daughter. You cannot break me. I am unbreakable. That's the position you've been given. Is that how you pray? Do you see the father that way? Do you see our father that way? And our, 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 my last two points here is this. The Bible says in Romans 8, 15 again, it says, by him we cry, Abba, Father. So not only is the prayer to the Father primal, it is the very longing. Not only is it real because it refines you and it shapes you. Not only does it give you position because it reminds you of your place and your worth in God, but it is experiential. Do you know what that means? That means you actually experience it. It's not just head knowledge up here. I'm sad to say a lot of brothers and sisters in our church, oftentimes we understand the head knowledge. Yes, I am a child of God, but there is no understanding it in here. You have not experienced it deep down here. There's a status that you know that you possess, but you have not fully experienced it in your very being. We, we may know the truth that we are children of God, but we don't know the reality of it. It's like, for example, let's say, let's say, uh, Enoch's walking by my side, right? He's walking by my side. What's his status? He's still my son. Nothing's changed. He's my son, okay? And then he turns. He trips over something, bruises his leg. He turns, looks at me, just looks up. Abba, Dad, I pick him up. I hold him. His head falls on my shoulders, you know, instinctively. Body goes limp, right? Because apparently he can't hold himself up anymore. His body goes limp. I hold him, three packs. It's all right. It's okay. Daddy got you, right? And he can go limp. He can put his full weight on me because he knows I can carry him. What's changed? Still my son, right? There's no change in status, but there is a change in what? The experience of that status, right? There's a change in the experience of that. How do I experience that change? How do I experience that, PT? Prayer. Prayer is how you experience it. You have to talk to experience relationship. I know a lot of these youth group boys that just stand there in the room that like, I'm gonna sit here, look cool, and these girls are gonna fall in love with me. No, man, that's not how it works, bro, right? I mean, you can get as buff as you want, sit there, act cool, no one's gonna fall in love with you. You're gonna have to say something, right? You're gonna have to have a, real, a conversation to somebody. 
if you want some sort of response. And how funny is it that sometimes as believers, we sit in our pews and we're just waiting for God to kind of shoot rainbows or shoot things at us. Like, yeah, I got it. I felt them. Right? And all the while, all the while, to experience this Father, the eternal God, you got to pray. Prayer does that. Prayer makes the objective truth that I am a son and daughter of God, and it makes it a living reality. You begin to actually feel. You begin to actually know. You begin to actually realize and understand. And there's a confidence that comes out of that. He is Abba, the great I am, the one who will work all things out for the good because I am his. You guys get that? To have an experience, you got to pray. Church, like there's no way, I, I'm no, I'm, there's no magical formula for you guys. That's it. You got to have to actually come and pray to the Father, to long for him, to meditate on the reality of your position in him, to, to, to begin to understand and play out the implication that if, if he is who he says he is, and this is going on in my life, and his promise to me, it's like even if I die, I will not, I will live again. If I play out all these things, the, the things around us will not affect us. It will not break us like it would for everybody else. And the more you think about these things, the more you make them the foundation of your prayers when you cry out, Abba, the deeper experience and the fuller you become as a believer, as a son, as a daughter. Right? Isn't it true, though? Is, is, isn't what we're trying to do our whole entire life, even if you're not a believer, you're chasing after something? Aren't you all chasing after something? Like, you, you want to experience something, don't you? You spend your whole life running from one place to the next, just trying to experience enough things so that I can feel something part of my, so I can feel alive. Do you know what that is? It's, it's the shadow of your heart saying, you're not meant for this. There's something more. And everything that's here is just a minor picture of what it's really like. We all want to experience it. And it's through prayer that we see the beginning glimpses of it. I'll share with you a passage from one of my favorite books. It's, a, it's called The Last Battle. It's the seventh book in the Chronicles of Narnia. Right? It's when they finally enter through the doorway. And they got into the new, the new country, the new Narnia, the rebuilt Narnia. And the horse, the unicorn at that time, was saying this. Everyone was just stunned. They all stood there. Right? Lucy was there. The, 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 uh, uh, Eustace and uh, Jill was there. They all stood there, stunned at the magnificence of which they were seeing. No one knew what to say. And all of a sudden, the horse that was with them said this. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looks a little like this. So, come further up, come further in. And he begins to run. We all want to experience something to make us feel alive. And can I tell you, 
that small longing of wanting to feel alive, whether you go on vacation, do a hot noodle ramen challenge, whatever it is, right? Something to make you feel like you're alive. All of that, all of that, silly as it sounds, is your heart's cry saying, this is not my real country. This is not it. C.S. Lewis also said this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, if I find in myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasure satisfies it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the actual real thing. Maybe you guys, you've gone through your Christian walk. Maybe you're going through a season when you're out of rhythm with God. And you're wondering, when can I experience him again? How can I experience this father? You're going to have to pray. When's the last time you prayed, church? I'm not talking about before meals. Right? I'm talking about that you sat down and you had a conversation with Abba. When was the last time you repented? What was the last thing you repented of? When was the last time you spoke to him and he spoke back and he says, hey, I'm really worried about this area in your life. You know what I'm talking about. The area that you keep hardened, walls up, pretend like it doesn't exist. Can we talk about that? I want you to deal with that. I want you to face it. When's the last time you, hear, you heard God speaking that into your life and not ignoring him, but actually ran deeper into it with him? It's when you engage in your prayers like that, knowing that he's not going to leave you. He's your father. Knowing your position, knowing who he is, that is what begins to change you. That's what begins to mold you. Do you know your father, church? But not only is it experiential, which it will be, which it can be, the last thing is that it's communal. Look what he says here. It says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We cry. Jesus gave us the corporate model of prayer, right? He told everyone, you guys pray, pray our Father. Not what? My Father, but our Father. Why? Why did he use the corporate language? Why did he use that conversation? Because we can never see more of God on our own. If the whole process is for us to experience more of the Father, because the more we experience of the Father, the more we understand our position. And the more we understand our position, the more we can face life's difficulties and adversities with strength, confidence, and poise and not run. We need to know more of the Father. But here's the thing. You cannot know more of the Father on your own. Jesus gave us the prayer that says what? Our Father. There needs a communal relationship. You know what that means? Unless you have a relationship with somebody that's intimate enough, that you let them hear your hearts groan, and that you hear their hearts groan, and you let them into your world, and they let you into their world and their pain, and together 
As brothers and sisters, you pray, our Father. Your Father, my Father. He speaks to you as he speaks to me. Unless there is a communal prayer together, you're never going to be able to see more of the Father. You'll see the Father as he has chosen to reveal himself to you. But God is so much more. The problem why your relationship is so, with God is so mechanical is because you don't have that deep intimacy of that reality of who he is. And the reason why you lack the intimacy and reality is because of the experience of the Father is not there. And the reason why the experience of the Father is not there is because maybe you don't surround yourself with people where you share in your prayers together as you cry out, Our Father. Some of you guys are like, that's not true, PT. I have a bunch of salt. We pray all the time. Yeah, but do you actually pray our Father? Right? Did, when, you, when you come together is, as you're praying for you, are you crying out for one another? Are, are, are you seeking to lay down your hearts towards each other? As, are, are you talking about how God has, sp has spoken, how your Father has spoken to you? Or is your salt more like, you know, let's get together. How are you doing? It's absolutely crucial to approach God together in prayer. All right? I'll give you an example, okay? <clears throat> I have a very unique, not unique, I have a very odd East Coast vibe, okay? That you guys, you guys you probably have never seen, okay? You guys have probably, and the reason why you have never seen it is because there's only a few people that can bring it out of me, okay? And the only person I know up to this point that can bring it out of me is my cousin, my cousin Jen. She was here last week, right? You guys didn't see me talking with her because if you did, it would, it would have been weird, okay? It's, I don't know why it happens. It just comes out. It's, it's just it's weird. I mean, I left East Coast when I was like eight. I have no idea why I still have like that, that, that the vibe with it. But when she's around, it's funny how just, just her saying hi, the way she says hi, it just triggers old memories. I don't know what happens, right? If you ever want to see that, you need, you need her, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, you're never going to see it. You guys follow? That's it, okay? In the same way, our God is an infinite God. He has so much to reveal, and he has revealed so much of himself in each one of his sons and daughters. And so the only way to see more of the Father is to have more of each other. You get that? The only way to see more of our Father and his different attributes and his character and his heart is to have more of one another. So I get excited with our church. Even if you're now a believer here, I get excited because I know that when you come to know the Father, when you've come to experience him, I'm going to see something unique about God that I never got to see in anyone else's life, that he chose himself to show through you. You know when Pastor Tim Keller passed away, I wasn't sad that he passed, right? He, he, got the, he got the jackpot. He got what all Christians want. He got to see the Father. He's waited all this year, and he got to see. I wasn't sad for him. You know what I was sad about, though? I was sad at the fact that I'll probably not see our Father through Keller like I usually ever again. I read his stuff. I listen to his podcast. Or I listen to his messages. 
right? Watch his interviews. And there's something about his winsomeness. There's something about his gentleness that just, it just strikes a chord in my heart, man. That's, that's our father playing out in the life of Pastor Tim Keller. To lose that was to lose that peace of the father. I'm never going to get back. That's, that's, that's what broke my heart, right? And in the same way, in our church, when I see a lot of us, it would break my heart to see any of you guys pass, right, as a believer. Because I know that to have less of you means to have less of the Father. You guys get that? And so here's the thing. Before you say, my Father, you have to ask yourself, do you have anyone around you that you can say, our Father, with? A prayer point that you guys can probably start praying here is this. Maybe it's time to join a small group, right? Be in a community somewhere. Maybe it's, t- maybe it's time that you actually begin to invest your life into someone else's life. To be part of people's stories. That they will know yours and you will know theirs. And if you are part of a small group, maybe it's time to stop being elusive in your small group. And actually start diving deeper into the relationship that's there. That we don't just say, my father, but that together we can say, our father. You guys, I just celebrated my grandma's 91st birthday past Thursday, right? She's, she's a shadow of the woman she was 20 years ago, right? A shell almost. I'm serious. And I'm not saying that because she's getting old. I'm saying that because I, as I watch her, what I begin to see, I think in the spiritual sense, it's the emptiness that's there, the hollowness that's beginning to be carved out of her life. When she was young and she had strength, she can still fight for things, but as she gets older, that empty shell begins to be more real. The bitterness begins to be more real. The unforgiveness begins to be more real. The anger begins to be more real. The humanity begins to be less and less and less. When we, as sons and daughters, pray to the Father, what changes? It actually solidifies us. That even in death, we're not hollow. Even in the face of death, we're not empty shells. I know we're all young, and I'm young-ish, right? We're all young. And so there's, there's this sense in our hearts that, you know what, I... I don't get what you're saying. I'm going to live my life, my best life now, right? I'm going to do everything I can. Okay, sure. I have a word from you, from the, from the, the wisest man in the world. You want to sleep around with a bunch of women? He slept around with a thousand. With a thousand. And at the end, you know what he said? Everything is meaningless. You want to experience and taste every cuisine in the world? He was the king of Israel, in the golden age of Israel. He experienced things you can possibly even imagine, delicacies beyond just one country. And in the end, he said, everything is meaningless. He was a type of spirit that said, I'll do anything once. I want the adrenaline. I want that try. I'll, I'll try it. And in the end, he said, everything 
is meaningless. It is better for a life to be obedient to the Lord than a life to end up as a hollow shell without depth and reality. Because at the end of our lives, only two things will happen. We will be planted and the reality of who we are will be revealed, solid, true, and real. This is how it's always meant to be. This is what I've always known is here. Now I've seen it. Or you die. And each and every day after that, for the rest of eternity, is the constant chipping away of your humanity. You become a shell. You are purged by the fire itself of everything that was of human likeness in you. And you are just a hollow shell of a being. I pray, O church, that if we ever want to see the Father, would you look at Jesus Christ? He is the only way. He is the only way. If there was another, I will teach it to you. If there was another, I will give my life to show it to you. There is no other. There is only him. And if you are chasing and you find yourself in a place, desperate, lost, anxious, if you find yourself never, nothing is ever good enough, you're just trying to live for the next experience, can I tell you, the greatest man who ever walked this earth lived a life of a peasant, slept out in the fields, knew nothing of wealth and riches. And yet, the Bible says he was raised, he was raised up, and that God gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Would you, church, begin to live a life, a rhythm of your life that seeks the Father? Let's pray.